0: To High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. I'm your host, Dr. Oneet Lev, an emergency and addiction doctor who has worked at the White House and still practices on the front lines. Right here on High Truths, you will learn from experts, hear stories from the emergency department and listen to people who have struggled from addiction. Each episode, we will answer questions from you, our listeners. To learn more about the show, submit a question, access educational material, or even take a quiz, you can visit us on hightruths.com. Hey there. At the beginning of each show, I caution you on the harms of fentanyl and I offer anyone a free prescription for naloxone. Free naloxone prescription. It's what I can offer, but it's simply not enough. The status quo of solutions has failed. The death count is rising to ridiculous numbers. The CDC estimates 87,200 people died in the United States between September 2019 and September 2020. The deaths in San Diego, where I lived, have tripled. That's just crazy. Today's episode is sponsored by Families Against Fentanyl, FAF is an organization set on breaking the status quo of failed solutions and to get to the core of the supply chain of deadly fentanyl. What is fentanyl? It is a synthetic opioid. Synthetic means it is made in a lab rather than originating in an agricultural field like the poppy plant for heroin. Let me clarify some definitions between the word opioid with the an O and opiate with an A. Opiates, with the A, are drugs made of poppy plant like heroin or morphine. Opioids, with an O, includes the entire family of both natural extracted opiates and the synthetic opioids made in a lab. Fentanyl is 100 times stronger than morphine. Carfentanyl, an analog of fentanyl, is 10,000 times stronger than morphine. As a synthetic opioid, fentanyl does not show up on routine urine drug screens. This is a terrible problem and a huge gap that the healthcare community must close. The gold standard is that a fentanyl test should be universal and automatic in all hospital settings. If a doctor or nurse care about meth, PCP, cocaine, THC, or opioids, they must care about fentanyl. Fentanyl has been found in all aspects of illicit drug supply. Fentanyl testing is available today to all hospitals across the country, and we created a fentanyl toolkit to demonstrate to every hospital in America how and why they should be including fentanyl in the urine drug screens. A fentanyl test should be universal in every single drug test and automatic, no added steps or clicks or thinking whether you need the test or not. Unfortunately, the United States does not have an FDA-cleared rapid multi-drug testing strip that includes fentanyl. That type of test is available in Canada, but not in the United States. I contacted several biotech firms that make fentanyl testing kits and talked to the FDA about fixing this gap. The answer I received is that the rapid test strips that are available at clinics are currently only sensitive to 5 nanograms. The FDA requires sensitivity to one nanogram. I argue that all the clinics right now have no nanograms, but I lost that argument. It will be another two years before the manufacturers can meet the standards required by the FDA. Until that time, small clinics that do not have an expensive chemical analyzer are not able to do rapid, real-time fentanyl testing. In the meantime, the hospital setting must be the safety net for patients exposed to fentanyl. All hospitals in America have chemical ionizers that can add on a fentanyl reagent. Let me illustrate with an example of why fentanyl testing is so important. A young boy came to the emergency department after presumed fentanyl overdose. He received multiple doses of naloxone, Narcan, but it was given late in his overdose. His routine drug test was negative. It did not include fentanyl. He ended up in a coma in the ICU for several days. While in the ICU, he was placed in what we call a medically induced coma using fentanyl. That is standard practice throughout the world. A few days later, investigators were checking on the boy's status and were asking about fentanyl. I became involved in order to educate the physicians about the availability of the fentanyl test in order to help the families who wanted some answers. By that time, it was too late. The hospital lab threw away urine samples, uh, which is typical after 24 to 72 hours. So the sample when the child was in the emergency department had been tossed, and all subsequent urine samples were positive for fentanyl because it was medically administered. Tragically, the young boy died and the family never received the answers they desperately wanted. My plea is that fentanyl testing must be universal and automatic throughout America. For today's episode, we have a mother who is asking about fentanyl, Laura Fries from Akron, Ohio. Let's hear her question.
1: Hi, I'm Laura Fries, and I'm calling from Akron, Ohio. I'm a mom, just uh, worried about how this could affect my kids. So my question is, if fentanyl is so dangerous, what else can law enforcement and the CIA, FBI, DEA um, really do about the problem?
0: Thank you, Laura, for your question. Yes, indeed, fentanyl is extremely dangerous and is the driver of the record number of overdose deaths in the United States. The fentanyl that people are dying from is not the kind you get during your colonoscopy or from patients in the ICU. It is an imported illicit drug coming from China and Mexico. What can the CIA, FBI, DEA, or law enforcement do? I really don't know. I'm just a doctor working in the front lines of addiction. Sounds like we need a high-truths expert. And so, Laura, the high-truths expert for your question is James Rao. James is a founder of Families Against Fentanyl, FAF, a national nonprofit organization with the mission to have illicit fentanyl declared a weapon of mass destruction, WMD, WMD is something that involves the CIA, FBI, DEA, Department of Homeland Security, and all of law enforcement. Following the death of his son, Tom, from fentanyl poisoning in 2015, Jim started Families Against Fentanyl to compel new, innovative actions by the federal government to combat the rise in illicit fentanyl across the United States and its concerning potential to be used as a chemical weapon. A longtime businessman in plastics industry, Mr. Rao brings his deep understanding of science and chemistry to his work at FAF. A resident of Akron, Ohio, he has been profiled on 60 Minutes and featured in numerous media outlets, including The Hill, Real Clear Health, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and more. James Rao's bio is available on the High Truths show notes, as well as a link to familiesagainstfentanyl.org. Jim Rao, welcome to High Truths.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on and thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to spread our message and hopefully save lives.
0: Yes, and I really thank you for um, for all the efforts and, and how you've changed tragedy into action. Um, we have a great question from Laura about fentanyl, but I want to learn more about the heart of your mission, which is your son, Tom. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Uh, Tom was a very accomplished man um, who had uh, substance abuse disorder that he struggled with for approximately 10 years. Um, he uh, went through various uh, recoveries and uh, had a great uh, life during that time on and off, uh, you know, suffering but still living and still participating in life. He uh, was in uh, getting ready to start a new recovery. He stumbled and um, ordered some uh, what he thought was heroin, and he was given acetyl fentanyl. And this uh, drug had the uh, the amount that he took was enough to kill approximately a thousand men. They were able to uh, preserve the material, trace down the uh, the drug dealer who sold it, and that in turn led to uh, a broad understanding of what was happening with the fentanyl market. And um, it opened the, the doors to uh, the lies and uh, deceit that's being perpetrated on the American public. The, the US uh, Department of Justice filed a uh, lawsuit against the Zang Drug Trafficking Organization and went to China and tried to uh, force that, uh, put on their uh, case against the Zang Drug Trafficking Organization for the death of my son and for manufacturing what they claimed was 16 metric tons of fentanyl per month a- as what they were saying and sent in, uh, which would be enough fentanyl frankly to kill everyone on the planet. Um, they, uh, they went over there put on a case against them, and in that case, they included the uh, charges for money laundering that were uh, mirrored to the Chinese uh, laws so that, that the Zhang's would not have any escape clause through fentanyl uh, legality in China. So they, um, they put on their case and they, the Zangs were set free, and our uh, people from the Justice Department, uh, the, were sent home with nothing. The Zangs continued to uh, manufacture, and uh, reportedly are manufacturing right now in Mexico. Um, this shows the uh, complicity of the Chinese government in the uh, manufacture and distribution of this material. And um, you know, we're trying to implement the WMD designation to put a halt to not only their manufacture and distribution, but worldwide distribution. This, this uh, Materials infiltrating our society through the illegal drug uh, traffic, and it's killing maybe uh, within the next within this uh, last period, close to hundred thousand people. And the the only reason people can't see what's happening is the stigma and the and the, the guilt that they feel. Or I, I I just can't understand why this is being permitted to go on. It's, it's heartbreaking.
0: It is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking and I'm, I'm so sorry for the loss of your son, Tom. Um, you make his memory a blessing and I promise you that I do what I do as an advocate in the addiction crisis because of people like you and our children like Tom. And it's very interesting that you are you were able or a law enforcement was able to take Tom's death and trace it all the way directly to China. And um, you are suing these uh, drug traffickers on, on behalf of your son. And is this lawsuit ongoing?
1: Yes, the law, the lawsuit is ongoing for wrongful death. And we've also filed an amendment in Beijing. Um, we're, uh, we intend to uh, prosecute this fully a, as an example. And um, if, if we're able to obtain the WMD designation, we'll be able to penetrate the Foreign Sovereign Immunity Act and hold the uh, complicit governments accountable for the the tragedies that they're forcing upon our our, uh, nation. You know, this is a reverse of the opium war and this material is being sent over here purposely to uh, disrupt our society with great effect. So it's sowing uh, amazing amounts of grief and tension. You know, we we have uh, 10,000 signers on our uh, Petition that represents a small percentage of the people who have been affected. We have close to half a million uh, Americans killed by fentanyl that's been shoved down our throats, you know, and there and it's uh, that means a million parents or more, and how many millions of brothers and sisters, and how many friends and relatives, and and this grief just spreads and spreads and spreads, and, and we. We turn a blind eye to it because we feel guilty for it for you know because of our stigma oh that's that person's, you know complicit in their own death they took their own drug they you know it's their fault but the people who have them for that are related to them they've been through it understand what this compulsion does to them what it makes them do and, and now this, this terrible poison starting to threaten our whole society somebody you know we're, we're very afraid that someone will use this and turn it into a weapon will go from individuals dying this way to mass casualty events.
0: I think it's already happening. Oh, yes. I Only think it's, it's already dispersal. happening. Yeah.
1: It's just um, a dispersal.
0: Who are these Chinese drug traffickers? I mean, we see movies of you know the Mexican drug cartel. Is this the same kind of people that are Chinese? Or are these people with business suits or?
1: Um... These are people with business suits and these are uh, chemists, et cetera. But the Zengs are a little are different. They they had uh, manufactured material there and then they set up a distribution center in New England where they were shipping the fentanyl to a, to an intermediary who was of Chinese origin and then distributing it throughout the United States. They caught the distributor just as he was trying to get on the plane to get out of the United States to Canada, and of course the Zhangs, you know, were untouchable. But when uh, 60 Minutes went to China, Bob Anderson confronted the Zhangs in the marketplace and said, "What do you say to the parents of the of the uh, children that you killed?" And he just told a turned a cold, dark eye.
0: Wait, you were and, able to, see, to yeah. actually meet the Zangs, and you know who they are, and it's a family?
1: It's a Zang family, and uh, Bob Anderson did a uh, surprise interview with the Zangs in the market, with, with the father in the marketplace, and showed him on film. Immediately after that, uh, Mr. Anderson was escorted from the country, and he th- he doesn't think he'll ever be able to get back in. They 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 took him militarily and removed him from the country after he after he confronted. Uh, so Dock is China. it is
0: the Zhang family supported by the Chinese Communist Party?
1: Uh, obviously, obviously. That if if they had sold one gram of that to one of their countrymen, they would have been publicly executed. There's no they know for certain that they're sending this material to the United States and it's killing our and killing our people. What what appears to be is, uh, according to uh, various sources, uh, one of them being Fortress Risk Management in uh, Mexico, is saying that the Zangs are operating in Mexico along with the CJNG drug cartels, manufacturing fentanyl and shipping it over here. They're bringing the precursors in through through the uh, the, through the ports, um, and it's the Mexican Navy has been asked to stand down. The Marines are no longer uh, blocking the material. It's coming straight in, and it's being manufactured in, in mass quantities.
0: It's it's horrific. Um, have you been to China too?
1: I've been to China many times, many times. I started going to China uh, in the mid-'80s. I have had an uh, office in Kowloon, uh, operated there for for quite a while as global trading. Uh, went from there, operated in the new territories.
0: That's for your plastics business.
1: For our pla- rubber and plastics businesses, mm-hmm. um, doing trade in the Far East, we're um, trading in natural rubber, plastics, and all, all types of different materials. Um, I I went into China, interacted with the people, and I can't tell you how wonderful they are. I mean, they're just they're exactly the the. Family that you'd like to have come and visit you. They're, they're all about family, friendship, fun, laughter, honesty, community. Um, I can't say enough about them. Every, every single house you're welcome in. Uh, they're all really interested in meeting you. They, but every single house also has a uh, shrine to their ancestors, and they they venerate their ancestors. But I'll tell you, the people who are perpetrating this. Their ancestors, their their descendants will will be embarrassed by the mention of their names. And and there'll be no honor for them, from their families, for what they're doing to us.
0: I I do think that um, people who knowingly sell fentanyl, um, especially to unknowing customers, are evil and murderers. and uh, I'm wondering if you you know if we have a success rate in murder charges for people, for fentanyl dealers.
1: Dealers here in the United States are many times unaware of their own, uh, that they are selling fentanyl. Many times they are addicts themselves. The mid-level dealers, people with compulsion will sell enough material to be able to support their own habit because they have no other way to live. That And... Um, there's no available longstanding, you know, suboxone, naloxone treatments, uh, the, the, these type of uh, things from hospitals, like the first step treatment are offering different types of uh, relief from that. But the mid-level dealers and, and such are, are, you know, will, if they, if they take the fentanyl out of, out of this system, it will relieve so much more of the arrest, so much more of the, arrests, so more, uh, of the problems. These people won't be facing murder charges. They won't be stacking the prisons full. will we'll take away a huge threat to our
0: national security. And so we can go back to Laura's question. Um, if fentanyl is so dangerous, what can CIA, FBI, DA, law enforcement do about the problem? And can you, you kind of mention that? Uh, you have a very innovative uh, solution.
1: Well, you know. They'll be able to coordinate the records so the FBI, CIA, DEA can feed the information to the U.S. military.
0: Why can't so you, they do that now? The military, the is not,
1: not involved in drug interdiction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They, they could. They'll be involved once this material is said to be a clear and present danger. You can call the. You can call the military to to react immediately to any situation that that uh, intelligence gives them, and they get the go ahead. We're talking about a major fighting force. The, who wants, what drug company, cartel, or whatever wants to, to go against the United States military? They wouldn't stand a chance. So you I, want, I, I would, I would suspect you would see the fentanyl start to disappear rather quickly when you start calling in the Marines.
0: So when you want fentanyl to be cleared a weapon of mass destruction, and for our listeners, What is a weapon of mass destruction? It's either a biological, a chemical, or a nuclear substance um, that can be a weapon and kill a sufficient number of people to cause harm to humans or to even structures. Um, So we know about nuclear um, weapons, that's a weapon mass destruction. We also, the most common one is chlorine, chlorine gas, and that's been used in Syria as recently as May, 2019. So it's you know it's hard. I imagine what you're saying. It's hard to send chlorine gas to the United States or anthrax or other things that have killed less people, frankly, than fentanyl.
1: The the um, one of the most common uh, is cyanide. cyanide there's 1.5 billion pounds of cyanide used in the United States industrially. It, it's a weapon of mass destruction. It has it has no market in the illicit drug business you know these people are getting paid to distribute this poison a huge amount of money billions and billions of dollars and they're getting paid to kill us so they the you know nobody wants to take cyanide and uh put it in your in your pills you don't have a chance of getting high but you you'll get killed just as dead and, and cyanide has been used to kill millions of people in, in uh world war ii in the prison camps it, it was it's a, a terrible, terrible poison, but we use it every day without without any problem whatsoever. This material is so easily—you can't transport cyanide. You can't put it in little tiny packages. You can't put it in in a, a a sugar package. You know, one little packet of sugar or fentanyl can kill hundreds of people. Distributed wrong, it, it, it's just. It's a totally different game changer here with the, with the lethality and the transportation of it. There's, you can't carry chlorine gas around in a little container. You Let it out, you can smell it way before it'll ever kill you. This if it's dispersed in air it, through all types of means. I mean, there's, I can think of hundreds of ways to disperse this that would be so simple and so deadly that uh, it's bone chilling.
0: And and it's a great combination. Now we and I think that, you know, with COVID as a, a pandemic, and now you have more fentanyl. It's a great way to cripple our country, and and it's working.
1: Working in the worst way. I mean, yeah, it's, it's driving division between our own people. Yeah, there, there's, it's disproportionately affecting the black community now. Black black uh, deaths in Philadelphia from fentanyl are, are up for it. Forty percent. Uh, it's it's just a, a, a horrific thing. It's it's preying upon the 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 people who are most stressed, the people who are you know trying to find some relief, some way from either the tension, the anxiety, or just even pain. They can't even get to see a doctor. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a uh, uh, you know Xanax to relax. I'm gonna take a Percocet to to uh, to relieve my pain, I, I'm going to take.
0: And then uh, you'll take it and to laugh. You'll you never know, have a it. good
1: time. And boom, it's one out of four of these pills the DEA says is illegal dose.
0: If fentanyl was declared a weapon of mass destruction, then would that um, now turn the whole? Is that the single action needed to make the entire force of the United States government and military to squash um, this production and turn off the faucet that's killing America?
1: It's the only one. We, we look for other alternatives, um, trying to see what the government could you know have in its toolbox to be able to do this. This one is the proper tool for this particular uh, poisoning. I, I wish that there was, you know, some simpler way, but it, it appears to be the only the only alternative we have for the for this type of thing and the threat that and the threat that we're facing. It seems to be crafted just for this type of situation, and you have to remember that prevention is um, so important in in their, our whole system. You know, keeping yes. keeping this material that that's what our whole function of government is is to protect its citizens. It's its number one cause. And this will cause the government to take this responsibility and and finish it.
0: You know, President Trump met with China and placed fentanyl and 35 analogs and a list of controlled substances. And supposedly this was successful for at least a period of time. Can you tell us what happened with that policy? Um, I remember when I was at the White House with ONDCP, I met with Department of Homeland Security and they were they were. Uh, pushing to have fentanyl declared a weapon of mass destruction. and I'm wondering um, what happened to that policy? where's the biden administration in in this subject?
1: As far as we know, there's been no cessation of the fentanyl analogs being produced in mass quantities in china. it's totally it's totally unregulated and they're they're shipping them uh, through other countries in, in intermediaries. But what we're really finding is they're shipping out the precursors by the, by the millions of pounds it appears. And the precursors are so easy to turn into fentanyl. It's like making epoxy. You take resin A, resin B, which are liquid syrupy materials. You, you combine them together, it hardens, it crystallizes, and, bing, you have fentanyl. And, and all of a sudden, the toxicity jump so super dramatically and you can you can cook this stuff in a jungle you know instead of raising poppy plants or whatever you have your your little hut you cook this stuff in the jungle uh, you you uh, transport it through through uh, whatever means into the into the public distributed throughout the United States and and you just wreak huge amounts of destruction and tons of profit it's so incredibly cheap. You don't have it to plant fields, pay people to process it. It's A and B, stir it up, mix it up, dump it out, don't get it on you. Boys, we're going to get killed. And then they got to make it, you know, they can press it into pills there, which they're doing, or or they can move it straight out. It's just so amazingly easy and so deadly.
0: Yeah, and and I guess good business. I think the days of uh, growing uh, drugs, you know, in poppy fields or coca plants are over. You know, it's that takes too much time and effort and land. You can when you can just make it, you know, cheaply in in a you know in a cave or anywhere. Um, I see that you're using your chemistry expertise and plastics uh, in your knowledge with the fentanyl. Um, and if, if, if fentanyl was declared a weapon of mass destruction, would that take an end to the precursors coming from China? So now the Chinese government is not actually, they don't even bother making fentanyl. They're just selling the precursors.
1: Yes, because luckily the law is written so that it covers not only the, uh, the poison and it, it, its relatives, but the precursors. So, you know, what will happen is these things will become sanctioned. You'll be able to sanction the manufacturers, shut down their money. And that's, the, that's the, what this is all running off of is, is the money. You have, as you know, close to $200 billion a year illegal drug market that's being infiltrated with, with this poison.
0: What you're doing reminds me of, of what was done for terrorists is get them where they hurt, which is their pocketbook. And suing, you know, I, I'm, I'm from, uh, from Israel, so we we know about terrorists. And, and the one thing that turned off the terrorists is getting them in their pocketbooks, and and suing on behalf of individual families who've been killed by terrorists in an international way, and choking their money in that sense.
1: You and have the, you have one of the roots of my ideas for the WMD designation. Because it breaks the foreign sovereign immunity act, and I intend to put together a class action suit of those who are affected and sue the pants off of the people who are responsible for this.
0: And if you want, I could put you in touch with the lawyer who is in charge of suing the on behalf of families, um, the terrorists, and maybe I don't know your lawyer. Like you can. Yes, I, um, I, I
1: I currently don't have it. I'm, I'm using Spangenberg. Uh, international law firm who's doing this on uh contingency basis uh, but I will happily communicate with any of these lawyers because I, I think
0: they're terrorists they're killing people we yes. are living
1: yeah. yes yes yeah. we're living and now they're gonna they're gonna make it worse they're gonna so so problems in the United states make this tension so so amazingly much worse and then as uh, the fellow said last night um, Lars Larson he said somebody's going to put it in a copy can with an M eighty or blow it up somewhere. I said, "Oh my God, you know you But but can. they're
0: they're already doing that. We don't even have to wait for some you know, um, you know to you're put at, it in the air. They're already doing it. They're putting they're it throughout all fifty states, and and we're at ninety thousand deaths. If you're absolutely is, right. You're already doing you're, it.
1: The, 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 it's exactly an attack. You can see right through this, it. I see right through it. I think it's no, an attack it's, on our country. It's just the exact way to do it. Just keep it up. Don't change it. Don't make an attack. Don't spill right. the beans. Right. Run this thing out. These people. It just brings down the United States. It gets us fighting amongst each other. It gets it gets depression sewed. Takes the money out. You kill more people than you do in a war. You don't even have to fire a shot or engage. That's right. That's right. And you're all of the fighting age. It's killing all all of the uh, people who we would send to oppose them anyway. Just kills the jelly out of them. They don't have to do anything. Their long term plan is to just let this run.
0: Right.
1: Right. That's why it would be upsetting to them if somebody took it and actually used it and we shut it off. This is just too good of a deal. And I mean, just look at it. look what it's doing. I wouldn't change it for the world. I'd be t- laughing my evil ass off.
0: Yeah, I I support you. I, I signed your petition to President Biden. Can you can you tell our audience about your petition and and what you hope to accomplish with that?
1: Our petition is, is to ask the president to sign an executive order naming this a weapon of mass destruction. This isn't our idea. This is the Government's idea. They've been trying to get this done for a while. We're trying to bring public support to finally push this thing through. We know for a fact that the DHS has a classified document showing that this material is an absolute threat to the public, that it's a weapon of mass destruction. That's why they proposed it. We need to cut through this red tape, get this done before this actually happens. Once it starts, we can never put it back away. But we know the value of, per, of prevention, especially through like the non-Lugar Act that has prevented so many more terrorist attacks that, that could have happened. We can use this type of prevention to, to give us a safe and, and beautiful future. Uh,
0: yeah, and I think if it's probably the most single most important thing if we really want to do something about the fentanyl crisis. I mean, I'm working as a physician on on the front lines, and I want to do fentanyl testing and education and um, treatment and 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 prevention on a no. primary level, as far as not having people use drugs in the first place. For yes. example, I don't, I haven't met anybody who overdosed from fentanyl that didn't start with marijuana. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, right, but what you're doing. Is I call it closing the faucet from the top, you know, just just end it. <laughs> that way, I wouldn't right. have to do all these other things.
1: You know, substance abuse has a lot of different manifestations, and we can't have the at-risk population um, just being taken away from us. They're valuable. They're lovely. They're beautiful. They're, they're creative. They're they're our families, and yeah. you know, we can't just turn our backs upon them. We have to we have to stop this from you. and. Give us a give us a chance to face our drug uh, use and and work it out amongst ourselves.
0: And Jim, you you mentioned stigma as an issue, uh, both on this podcast and also one of the missions of uh, families against fentanyl. When Tom passed away, did you and your wife, Valerie, feel stigma and and shame and not want to talk about it like you're doing now?
1: Throughout all of his addiction, all of his addiction, I felt not so much not so much shame about him, but shame about myself. Not, like, what not, what
0: did you do wrong as a parent? to Oh have my this
1: gosh, happen? yes! I never thought you know. Once once you see how devastating the compulsions are, and you see people struggling with them, you know they're suffering, and you and you can't and you try to take that suffering away from them, and you feel and you and you feel like uh, you know. Oh, you could do better. You should be doing better, you know. And you feel like the kid let you down, or something else. But really, you're looking at yourself. And you're going, "What you
0: know, did I do I, wrong?" I
1: just been there. If I could just have done this right, or kept them, you know, away from this, I, I'm responsible. Because as a parent, you are responsible. And when when they go through a, a period of addiction, and and then they die, you're, or even if they're, if it's their first time that, that you know that they've taken a pill. If it's the first time and you didn't even know that they ever even had a problem, your heart's broken, and you look at yourself and go, "Man, I I let them die," and you can't you can't get away from that feeling for the rest of your life. It's just coping with it, you know, and, and realizing intellectually that it's not there, but your heart's still broken.
0: Yeah, I I I, I can't imagine, but I I think that what you and your wife <laughs> Valerie it. have done by speaking out. Um, helps a lot of other parents. And also, as a doctor, I'll say that the nicest human beings I've ever met are people who've gone through recovery, who've gone through that pain of addiction, do, went through the steps and changed who they are. And uh, that process has made them beautiful human beings. I mean, the nicest people I've ever met.
1: Absolutely, totally agree with you. And e- even while my son was using, or when he wasn't using, he was still one of the most absolutely sweetest, loving, wonderful people that you could ever meet. It, it's the, I, I understand some things about compulsion, and I've lied to myself in the past. I drank way too much, especially after he died. And then, you know, when I started this uh, Families Against Fentanyl, of course, I couldn't drink anymore and do this because it just.
0: And how are you doing with that?
1: I never missed it.
0: Yeah. It's not talking to you or calling you or like, oh, I, I,
1: I, you know, people will challenge me to have a drink of a martini. or I'll drink their martini or smell or have drink a drink of wine or do whatever. No, I got hit by lightning and it was over. It was like, I don't know, strange, but yeah. uh, it, I went through a strange transformation physically too.
0: So Jim, I absolutely so admire what you're doing. I want to support you in any way I can. Um, and I, I just wanna tell you what, what small portion I think the medical community um, can do about the fentanyl problem um, until we close the faucet from the top like you wanna do. Um, I think that we can, number one, do fentanyl testing as universal and automatic. And that's what I'm um, pushing for. I think it should be national legislation, if not local legislation, or just frankly, all hospitals in America need to do this today. Um, and I have a toolkit because do- if hospitals and doctors don't know how to do it, it's it's easy. Um, I think we need to talk about prevention, um, you know, and starting at middle school with marijuana because or any drugs, because that's where addiction starts. If we you know there's a certain percentage of the population who are genetically predisposed to addiction. But if you use before age 25, before your brain is developed, your chances go up four to seven times than if I start at my age. So if we could just protect our young people, you know, have them, you know, drug free, and it is possible till they're 25 years old, then we would have less addiction totally in our country. And I want to offer anyone who's listening to the podcast uh, and anybody you know, um, if they want, a prescription for naloxone, I offer one free on my website. Um, I mean, frankly, it should just be over-the-counter. Um, I, I discussed that when I was at, at ONDCP, and it's, it should be an over-the-counter medications. There's barriers to that, but if anybody cannot get a prescription from their doctor or pharmacy and they need one, they can come to my website, no uh, question asked. Um, and, um, and the other part is, maybe you don't even know that that we have an opioid shortage in our country. So we ran out of dilated and morphine. So now our paramedics are using fentanyl um, for pain in the ambulance. And the reason that's bad is because there are people who are using fentanyl recreationally and maybe even overdose. and if they're in pain, then they're getting fentanyl and it makes it very it makes it impossible to differentiate what you were just given by the paramedics or the hospital and, and what you were using illicitly, especially if somebody passes away and there's an investigation. So we need alternatives to that and it, it just seems like the ultimate conspiracy theory that we ran out of opioids just when fentanyl is uh <laughs> coming into our country and then oh well what are we going to use as a medical community so, we're going to use fentanyl so
1: well, what do you think about suboxone and tramadol being given you know in uh there was a first step program that i participated in in ohio where uh a addict could walk into the emergency room see a, uh, nurse or a physician be, t- be, uh, helped, uh, be given a prescription for not for, uh, travidol, so Bob, so, yeah, well, wait, so wait.
0: So let me, um, tramadol is an opioid. It's a synthetic opioid, just like, um, fentanyl. Um, so that's used for pain and it has actually more side effects than oxycodone or percocet or hydrocodone. So I actually don't recommend that except for, you know, okay. there's al- there's always reasons. It's not a treatment. It's actually one of these drugs where the pharmaceutical companies have tricked the American public um, to thinking that it's not addicting and not an opioid when it is. Okay. Um, Suboxone is a combination of two medications, buprenorphine, yeah. which is an opioid, and naloxone together and uh, it's a safer medicine and it's used to treat people who have an opiate use disorder and as an emergency physician it's one of the services I provide uh, people come to the emergency department and if they're withdrawing from um, opioids they have an opiate use disorder I can prescribe uh, suboxone to make them feel better um, and I can I have we've made connections for referral systems because the emergency department can't do this alone we have okay you have a medicine now what do you do Um, It's like, you know, you broke your arm. It's like, okay, I put it in a cast, but you still need an orthopedic surgeon, you can't you have to continue. Um, So we can do that. And we've made partnerships um, for our patients. So we we do that. And not only for patients who have uh, a drug addiction, you know, from illicit drugs, but also I had a lady who was in chronic pain. Um, and she was going down and was in withdrawals from her prescriptions, and I was able to help her out with that. So yeah, it's a service we provide. We are working, um, and I have. I'm um, hope that's one of the things I'm very proud of. My work at when I was at the White House at ONDCP is eliminating the X waiver. We call it Xing the X waiver, which is a barrier in providing this treatment. You need to go through an eight hour course, and if you think about it. Um, I learned how to treat COVID and recognize COVID. I didn't have an eight hour course. I mean, the medical community knows how to learn new disease processes and new medications without government mandates. Um, And uh, so we're hopeful, the Trump administration for a short period of time was able to remove this barrier. Um, There were, I don't know, technicalities. And we're hoping now that the uh, Biden administration will remove that barrier. And what that will do is it may, we we don't, to eliminate stigma, I I have a course called Eliminating Stigma Through Clinical Understanding. So you can't, if you go to your primary care doctor, he won't say, oh, well, I don't do diabetes, you're gonna have to go to that doctor, or I don't do high blood pressure, you're gonna have to go somewhere else. That division caused stigma. Right. If you come to your doctor and you have high blood pressure and asthma, you and you say, well, I don't do your drug problem. You have to go to some special other place to do that. But you should be able to come to your doctor and say, you know, you, my blood pressure is high and I got my asthma and my diabetes needs to be fixed and I have an opiate use disorder. And why can't a, a, every primary care doctor in America treat that? It's yeah. not it's not complicated. The diabetic medications are way more complicated uh, to use um, than Suboxone.
1: Family doctor kicked Tom out to so come back when you're uh, clean.
0: Right. So removing the X waiver is one step in that direction. And we, you know, uh, with, with my podcast, High Truths, the aim really is to unite medical health, mental health, addiction, health. It's, it's all, we're all one person. We're not all divided.
1: Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And thank yeah. you so much for the, for the work that you're doing. I think that you're uh you're absolutely right. If you can if you can get them, start getting them treated. Put them out with a counselor, get get them connected. You know, there are people that there's half a million homeless in the streets now. Almost all of them have substance use disorder. It's
0: that's terrible. You know, and, and the pandemic just, has made it worse. I, I could tell you living in Southern California, California. Um, I have to step over people's body to get to work. It's it's like I'm living in a third world country. I, it, it's very sad.
1: I'm starting to uh, look at different methods to get urban space to house the homeless. For instance, in Akron, there's 8 million square feet of firestone plant that's heated, could be cleaned up and run, but they, there's only 100,000 square feet of the plant that's being used for an industry. It's got... Guard shacks, everything around it—it's all secure. Beautiful floor space, eight million square feet, empty and heated. And the people right down the railroad tracks are freezing to death. And I can't get them into that building. And it's oh. like, uh, you know, just get, save their, their people. You know, so and, and so when um, when it gets down to where I'm, uh, you know, interacting with direct people, then. I, I get really uh touched fast and it's uh, at working on the um this turning off as you said the faucet at the top i can bear doing that you know i can i can still use my force but as i as i get you know to to where as you said i'm st- i'm stepping over them and, and everything else then, then, I'm, then I'm, I'm engaged i'm engaged i can't get away uh, it they're, they're it just
0: much. When I, I use that analogy of closing the faucet when for the prescription opioid epidemic that we're now over. Um, and I said, you could go one doctor at a time or you could just go to the health plans and just click and be done. Yes. <laughs> and so I think that that's what you're doing with fentanyl. I love that. Um, final advice to Laura, um, who has our great question about fentanyl.
1: There's nothing that will be as effective as a good prevention plan. And the prevention plans that they put in the past, that the, the uh, nunn Luger Act, those types of things have paid dividends in peace and tranquility for a long period of time since 9-11. We need to do the same type of proactive work now to make sure that we don't have another incident that totally disrupts our lives and uh, creates huge amounts of pain for us. Let's make this a weapon of mass destruction, put, put an end to the terrible pain and suffering that these uh, families are going through and, and our people, and make a safe and secure place for all of us.
0: And I want to thank uh, Laura Fries. Um, Mothers have the most power in the political world in advocating for your children, your future, our future. And may you have healthy children and grandchildren free from the shackles of addiction.
1: Yes, I, I do. I, they, they pile all <laughs> over me. I've got, uh, let's see, one, two, three, six grandchildren. That's good. They're, they're, you know, they, and they I, don't even know what kind of a jerk I can be. <laughs>
0: I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I can't wait to hear. Oh,
1: yeah. You just come a couple of martinis in there and the Irish comes out. and the next thing you know, <laughs> there's, there's nobody with a bigger mouth.
0: <laughs> and and I really want to thank you, Jim, for uh, for being so brave and speaking out about your story and making a difference with Families Against Fentanyl. And I wish you all the success in your petition to the president and really changing the approach of the killer drug fentanyl And and happy to help you in any way I can.
1: Thank you so much. And uh, let me, I want you to know, I'm help, happy to help you any way we can. Thank you. It's a community. It's a reciprocal thing.
0: Thank you for listening to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts give you facts and answer your questions. This week's episode would not be possible without the generous support from our sponsor. A sincere and warm thank you to FAF, Families Against Fentanyl. Visit familiesagainstfentanyl.org and And sign the petition to declare illegal fentanyl, a weapon of mass destruction. Make drug dealers think twice and three times before peddling killer drugs. If you would like to sponsor a show, we would be honored and grateful. Please contact us at Hightruths.com. We want to hear from you. Post a comment or email us about one thing you learned from this program. We thank you for listening and hope you will help our rating by giving us a five-star review. And subscribe so you won't miss any of our information-packed weekly shows. Visit our website, hightruths.com, to submit a question, take a quiz, or download a free prescription for naloxone. Until next week, this is High Truths on Drugs and Addiction. Our producer is Dave Rivas from Davey Boy Productions, and I am your host, Dr. O'Neil Lev. We hope we brought your day a little bit more High Truths.